Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. The Lord has blessed us with an amazing worship team. The way that they uh, just lead us and guide us, uh, guide us into the presence of God, it's incredible. And Clearly, the Lord has blessed them with gifts and talents. I have no music abilities at all, uh, but the way that they can just, like, man, the usher us in and the way they do that each and every week, I'm so thankful for that team. Yeah, and, and even the folks that are back there that don't sing, but they push buttons and stuff, um, and there's people that are like online. We even have one guy that's overseas that helps with the sound quality uh, for the online presence. Like all of it is together and God is using uh, these folks and their gifts and their talents. Um, and it's just incredible to be a part of that. So if you're a guest here today, uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff And uh, it's my honor and privilege to continue our teaching series through the Gospel of Mark. So we've been we've been kind of trucking through the Gospel of Mark all summer long, and we're kind of getting towards the end, which means we're getting towards the end of summer. That kind of tasted bad coming out. Um, Yeah, let's just forget that I said that part. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 13. So if you brought your Bible, uh, head over there. If you got your device, go ahead and turn that on um, and head over to Mark uh, 13. But before we do, I want to remind us of some of Jesus's words that we've already covered in the gospel of Mark. And this is found in Mark chapter eight, starting at verse 31. I forgot to turn my clicker on again. I did that last service. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and rise after three days. Jesus is foretelling the future. He's prophesying. He's, he, he knows what's going to happen. And this whole chapter 13 in Mark, like it's an interesting nugget within the entire text in this gospel. But Jesus wasn't done. I want to continue back in in chapter 8. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Bless you. And it's quite the paradox there at the end. And so I kind of want to use this chunk of scripture as kind of like a lens as we dive into this chapter. Because Jesus is foretelling all kinds of stuff that's going to happen, uh, even some end times things. And, and I know within the church world, there can be lots of opinions uh, about end times. And I'm sure uh, I'm going to rub someone the wrong way when it comes to your opinion about end times. And we'll get to that at the end of the message. A little bit of pun there. I realized that as I was saying it, it was funnier maybe to me than it was you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
So uh, before we dive in, I kind of want to look at this chapter as a whole. We're not going to go through every single verse, but we're going to break it up and I'm going to show you an outline of how you could break up this chapter. And we're just going to kind of hit a few nuggets along the way and see how that will apply to us here today. But as I was diving in and preparing for this message, I came across the commentary written by Donald English and I love how he kind of sums up this entire chapter. He says, this may be the main reason why this gospel was written, to help people to see that true faith does not save one from hard times and difficult experiences, as many have hoped. True faith often leads one into hard times and difficult experiences. The glory of faith in Christ is that we are not saved from them, but in them. And chapter 13 certainly makes that clear. And so if you want to look at Mark chapter 13, here's a rough outline of how you could break this up and the different topics and subjects that Jesus is going to cover within this chapter. And so immediately right off the bat, you see this interaction with the disciples and Jesus and they're like, hey, look how amazing the temple is. And then Jesus just kind of goes into Jesus mode and he goes into a teaching mode. But he's describing the temple. Like they're saying, look how amazing the temple is. Now this is a model of the temple. Now here's the thing. It was made out of white stone and inlaid with gold. If you were to see this in the landscape of Jerusalem, this would just stand out uh, on the, the, the landscape. Like you would see this for miles and miles away. In fact, here's the, the Western Wall as it is today. And Lord willing, I'll be able to see this at some point uh, if it's God's will. But I think Jesus was trying to make a point that the disciples and really the Jewish culture really elevated the temple. Like the temple was a big deal, even though this particular temple, Herod's the one that uh, built this temple and he was kind of making it all about himself. But he was kind of warning them, like let's not elevate the temple higher than what it should be. And so we're gonna kind of go back into this outline that he says they're gonna experience hardship. If there's anything that you take away from this chapter, I want you to, I want you to dive in to your paper Bible would be my suggestion, and grab a pen or a highlighter, something, and then underline or circle all of the commands or the directives that Jesus gives just within this chapter. I counted 13, and I have them all marked right here in my Bible. And I think it's Jesus saying, hey, you're going to experience difficult things but I want you to be ready. I'm preparing you for this. In fact, we pick up in verse five. Jesus told them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. So Jesus is already saying, hey, you need to watch out. There's gonna be people that are coming in my name claiming that they're the Messiah, the son of God, and they're gonna deceive a lot of people. Jesus continued, fast forward a few more verses. Verse nine, but you be on your guard. They will hand you over to local courts. You will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. And it is necessary that the gospel be preached to how many nations? All All of them, all of the nations. Jesus is already priming the pump here. He's saying, hey, look, You're going to go through some difficult things. 
Maybe some of you are here today because you're going through some difficult stuff. Maybe you're at the end of your rope and maybe you're trying this whole church thing out and you're trying to figure out like, I gotta get a grasp on something in my life. And the disciples, Jesus himself, like he he was crucified, he was flogged, like his flesh was ripped from his body. He was nailed to a cross. Most of the disciples were martyrs and killed for their faith. And I think that same application comes to us today that we are going to go through difficult things. And the problem is our Americanized culture says that we should have comfort, that it should be easy. You need to purchase this thing because it's gonna make your life easier. I don't see that play out in the gospel, that our life is supposed to be easy. Jesus continued, verse 11. So when they arrest you, not if, when they arrest you and hand you over, Don't worry beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you at that time. For it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Now this is a really cool verse because there hasn't been a lot of allusions to the Holy Spirit yet in the gospel. And right here in this moment, Jesus is saying, hey, you're you're not gonna have any clue of how to handle this situation or what to say, but don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's gonna take care of that. I think that's application for us today. I mean, I hear quite often, hey, pastor, like I hear you guys saying that we're supposed to share our faith. We're supposed to share what God's doing in our life. But I just, like, I don't have a seminary degree. I have no education. I don't know what to say. I think it just, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit will give you words to share. It's us being obedient in that moment. But I really loved another observation that Donald English had right here on this passage. He says, with a rare reference to the Holy Spirit in Mark's gospel, the promise in verse 11 is not intended to encourage lazy preachers who don't prepare properly. It is the unexpected moment in a hostile setting where they are not to fear. We may reflect that even in such situations, the more one knows already, the more material is available for the Holy Spirit to use. Man, that's convicting. We need to put ourselves in an environment where we're listening to Holy Spirit. You know, we we talk a lot about doing quiet times, your secret place, your chair time, spending time in God's word. Because the more that we input of this, and we're not gonna understand all of it when we spend time in it. There's times where I'm spending time in God's word and frankly, I have no idea like what is going on in that situation, which requires effort on my part to kind of mine and dive into it a little bit. But the more I spend time in this, that gives more opportunity for Holy Spirit to just bring something to the surface within a conversation later on. That gives, to use Don English's words, more material for the Holy Spirit to use in your life. So just a thought grenade, are you giving material for the Holy Spirit to use in your life when you're having conversations with other people? Now let's continue to look at this outline. So he says, hey, you're gonna experience hardship, but there's also gonna be the destruction of Jerusalem. Now this, this next passage that we're gonna read, I'm sure you use some of these words this week. In verse 14, when you see the abomination of desolation, did you guys use that this week? Yeah, see that's kind of weird, right? Like I didn't use, I'm a pastor and I didn't use these words this week. 
Okay, so let's unpack this for a second. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now, there's all kinds of opinions about what this scripture means. Now, I think some of this language is giving allusion to the book of Daniel because we see this language playing out in multiple verses within the book of Daniel. But I think Jesus is foretelling, so depending on what your opinion is about when John Mark wrote this gospel, the temple had not been destroyed yet. I think Jesus is foretelling the future that the temple is going to be destroyed, which it was in AD 70. In fact, the, the, the Jews revolted against Rome. Rome surrounded the city and starved them out. Like people were literally dying from starvation, depending on which historians that you read. Josephus, I would recommend him, uh, who is a Jewish historian. He wrote about, like there was even cannibalism that was happening within Jerusalem. In Rome, like they're kind of an all-in type of mindset. And so like when they're gonna destroy something, they're gonna destroy something. So they would haul in wood and everything else because a lot of buildings are built out of stone, including the temple. They got the fire so hot that it crumbled the stone and Jesus was foretelling the future and the destruction. But on a little side note, think about this, depending on what your theology is about when John Mark wrote this gospel, this is bold for John Mark to put this in his gospel because this hadn't taken place yet. And you know this letter was being distributed amongst the believers. So he was making a bold stand in this moment that this was going to happen. He was throwing Jesus's words and saying, hey, this is gonna happen and you better hope it doesn't happen in the winter and you better hope that you're not pregnant when this happens because this is gonna be awful. And maybe some of us here today, we are going through some awful things. Or maybe you've experienced some awful things in your walk. You at least know somebody who's going through something very difficult. And then depending on your background, you know, Jesus, he, he, he talks uh, about the end time, his second coming when he comes back. But the biggest thing that I think Jesus is trying to emphasize here is, you're going to go through something difficult. And Jesus said, hey, I'm coming back again. But we've been saying that for a while, if you think about it. We, we've, I mean, Jesus was crucified a little over 2,000 years ago. And we keep saying he can return any moment. And people, they're going to scoff at that. In fact, Peter even mentions this. One of Jesus' closest followers mentions this in his uh, letter, 1 Peter 3. He says, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days scoffing, uh, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of the creation. Second Peter, thanks. Jesus, Peter understood this because he was with Jesus. Like, I'm gonna come back. We don't know when it's going to be. Now, there's been a 
ton of energy and money and resources put into, are we pre-trib, post-trib? When is Jesus' coming? And Jesus answers this question for us. I don't know why we put so much energy and and thought and money into this. Because Jesus says, now concerning that day or the hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. So watch and be alert for you don't know when the time is coming. That's all we need to know. This entire chapter is saying, you're gonna go through some rough stuff. You need to be awake. You need to be alert that this is coming. We as followers of Jesus are called to be alert and to endure the difficult things that we go through. James, the half-brother Jesus says, we need to have perseverance through our trials. He says, consider it joy in our trials. Baby, we need to have a mind shift that we are in the end times, that Jesus could come before the next song is being sung. We need to live our lives in a manner that we don't know when the Son of Man is coming to return. Because there's a mission We've got to go out. And Jesus, man, he, he really emphasizes this point at the end of the chapter. He says, it's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and gave each one his work. House, authority, work. Hold on to that for a second. And he commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert. Since you don't know when the master of the house is coming whether in the evening or at midnight or the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Remember, house, authority, work. Jesus continues, he says, otherwise when he comes, suddenly he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. As followers of Jesus, we gather here today This is God's house, not the building of Radiant Life Church. This movement of people is God's house. He's given us authority and there is work for us to go and do. And he says, don't be sleeping. So the question, are you sleeping spiritually? Are you just coming on Sunday mornings because this is what your parents told you to do? Or this is just what you've always done. It's been your tradition to attend some worship service. Are you spending any time with your father in heaven throughout the week? Are you sleeping spiritually? Because God has laid a mission on Radiant Life Church. And it's living out our God-given purpose every day by being transformed by Jesus, reaching the lost, and making disciples who make disciples. God has given you, he's given me authority and God has called this church to live out this purpose. And each one of us have a different calling and a different purpose, but it comes together as a body. And so maybe that's what your next step is, is to figure out what your God-given purpose is. What does it look like to serve the body with your God-given purposes? Maybe God is calling you to the mission field. Maybe he is calling you overseas. Maybe he's calling you to your next door neighbor. What is God calling you to do? 
Times are going to be difficult. We are called to be awake and alert and to endure these difficult things. I think ultimately, at least in in my own walk with Jesus, it's in those tough moments, that's when I feel the closest to God. It's like, wow, God, your hand has been all over this situation. And that's what I try to overflow to other people. Now here's the thing, friends. Nothing in all of our willpower or pulling up our bootstraps is gonna make a difference. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we have to overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that hope and that joy that we have in order for us to overflow that hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go check out Romans 15, 13. And so the worship team, they're gonna, they're gonna take us back into fresh wind. And maybe today you need a fresh wind. Maybe the air in your life is just absolutely stagnant. It is dead. And you need God to breathe a fresh wind into your life. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. So I want to encourage you. Come down. Kneel at the kneelers. And maybe your prayer is this simple. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Just, Lord, I have nothing out. Just pour your spirit out on my life. And maybe that's all your prayer is. And maybe for some of you, you don't even have the Holy Spirit because you haven't started that relationship with Jesus yet. And I gotta be honest with you. If you've heard maybe preachers talk about like, well, if you put your faith and trust into Jesus, your life is gonna be great. I don't know, man. I've gone through more difficult things since following Jesus, but I have a hope and I have a peace that I can't even begin to describe to you. And I think there's a few other people in the room that have experienced that as well. But the only way that you can have a spirit-filled life is to put your faith and trust into Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We talked about the blood. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross. He atoned. He made it right because his blood was innocent. And we deserve that punishment because of the sin that is in our life. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross every single day. Now, friends, I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I am prideful. And I had to put those things aside. And I still have to on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a good word. Mark chapter two, verse 22. And no one pours new wine into old wineskin. Otherwise the wine will burst the skin and both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskin. So what that means is, thank you, Brandon. You, you can't have this new life and pour it into an old life. Because wineskins, they would expand with the fermentation of the wine and they would rip and tear. And it's time for a new wineskin. It's time for a new life. 
And God wants to pour that out into your life. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's that fresh wind. So would you please stand with me? Prayer partners, you can make it to the corners. We have prayer partners that are gonna be at both sides of the stage. They're there to serve you. However the Spirit leads that. If you need to begin your relationship with Jesus, they would love to guide you through a prayer. If you're just needing a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, they would love to serve you on that behalf. If you just need to humble yourself before the Lord and come and kneel before him, I can't encourage you enough to to be obedient in that moment. But everything can change with the filling and overflow with the Holy Spirit. We're gonna go through difficult times. We need to be alert because Jesus is coming. And there are people who are gonna spend eternity far from Jesus. And I think God wants to use you and he wants to use me in those relationships. So Holy Spirit, we surrender this time now. We ask that you would just show your glory and that you would stir in our hearts and our minds even now. I pray that you would activate people's faith. I pray that you would activate gifts. I pray that you would be the alarm clock to wake up someone from spiritual death. I pray that they would be awake and alive in you, Holy Spirit. That today, it wasn't because of Brandon, but it was because of your spirit stirring something deep with inside of us. It's time to be awake. It's time to be guided by you. So Holy Spirit, we give you this time. Do what only you can do. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.